0: Love talk Radio
1: Well, hello everybody, and welcome to another edition of Book Journeys Radio. I am your host, Angela Loria from Journey Girl Publishing, and each week on the show we talk to an author about their experience writing and publishing and promoting their first book. And I am super excited today. We have Dr. Mark William Cochran, who is a good friend of mine, uh, a wonderful author, and also um, professionally trained as a chiropractor, right? Uh, That's
0: correct. Do you
1: still practice as a chiropractor?
0: Uh, Yes, I do.
1: Excellent. So uh, Mark's book is called Obi's Wisdom. It's A Caveman's Simple Guide to Health and Well-Being. Um, I've spent a, a little bit of time with you, and I know you don't remind me at all of the caveman. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and the title?
0: Well, uh, first I'll tell you a little bit about my own background, and that's that I suffered for many years, uh, most of my adult life, in fact, with uh, chronic debilitating inflammatory arthritis to the point where it ended my first career, Um, which was, as an officer in the U.S. Marine Corps, um, it continued to progressively get worse, um, you know, over the course of a number of years to to the point where I actually became virtually crippled. Uh, And I was able to turn that around to the point where I became a a triathlete and a marathon runner. And it was quite a journey. It was many years long. And what I learned on that journey is that the most powerful things that we have available to us for healing and health and well-being are the things that have already been given to us um, by nature uh, and things that are really the most simple. You know, know, medical science is useful, and and there are good things that have come out of that, um, but they're not the most important, not the foundational, not the most powerful things we have available to us. And so once I realized that, I decided I needed to get that word out, and I wrote the book, and I used the caveman, as a metaphor to illustrate my points, uh, because they, you know, the prehistoric people, they didn't have complex, uh, you know, healthcare systems and things like that. What they had available to them was that which nature provided, and uh, the simplicity of that which nature provided. And so that's why I decided to write the book and use the, the cave dwellers as um, an illustration of
1: that point. Interesting, and I said the name of your book really quickly. It's Obie's Wisdom, but I should spell that for people. It's O B is in boy, Y S is in Sam Wisdom, O B Y S Wisdom dot com. If you want to uh, take a look at that, where 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 does the word OB come from? Who's Obie's? Well. That's the name of the main character that I weave throughout the book.
0: Um, and his official name, his full name is Obsidian J. Stone. It's just kind of a play on words because <laughs> obsidian was the, the stone that, you know, prehistoric people used to make stone tools. And uh, so, and Obi is his nickname, of course. And, That's you right. know, I use Obi and his wife Fern and their son Scooter and some of his friends. Uh, you know, I I weave them throughout the book to illustrate the points that I'm
1: making. So why why that approach? I mean, that's kind of an interesting and creative approach. I'm picturing the Flintstones teaching me about health and well-being. Um, why why add that element and not just, you know, write up recommendations?
0: Well, actually, that was one of the evolutions that happened while I was writing my book. I, when I first started writing the book, and this is quite a number of years ago, um, I was going to be doing – just what you said, just a list of recommendations and I realized in that process that I was writing a really uh informative book, but a very boring book. So mm-hmm. I decided I needed to make it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun, and that's when I came up with the caveman concept. Um you know, and I my intent has been to make a, a simple, easily read, um, entertaining book that still addresses some, you know, pretty thought provoking concepts.
1: Yeah, and I can also see that attracting people who might not want to pick up a, you know, a book that has maybe some similar information about health and well-being and nutrition just because it does seem a little lighter and more maybe, you know, sort of what I want to say, accessible. Right. Like I'm not going to be preached to. It's like,
0: no, it's you know, No, it's definitely not
1: a preachy book at all. Yeah. Not a preachy exactly. book, yeah. So um, when people come to me, when I I mostly talk to people, they are really excited about writing a book and they have this idea of what the end product is going to be like. And then as they're working on it, obstacles come up. It might be different ideas, or they start to feel that their book is boring, or somebody takes a look at a chapter and says, you should do something fun, like add cavemen, and that sends them into some sort of, uh, I don't know, anaphylaxis or something. They can't quite get out of their own way, and then the project solves, and then they start beating themselves up because they can't finish the project, and um, one of my goals with this radio show and with the work that I do is to help people finish. They have these great ideas. And a lot of times they don't they don't finish the process because of those obstacles. So did that happen for you at all? Did you have obstacles between when you came up with the idea for your book and when you actually were able to hold it in your hands?
0: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, anytime you you know the process of writing and publishing and marketing a book is just a um, gigantic process that takes so much time and um and, and dedication. Um, so of course, you know anytime you're engaged in a process like that, there are going to be obstacles, speed bumps, things like that uh and and so yeah that did that did happen for me um I think the most important thing that I did was at the very beginning, I became very clear on exactly what I wanted to accomplish um by writing a book and getting the book out there and um the the thing that I was clear on um my vision was that. I wanted people to understand that the most important, most powerful, most foundational aspects of health that we must all incorporate into our approach to health is that um, simplicity is the most important thing. Nature, what nature uh, has to offer is the most important thing. Now, there's been a lot written about getting back to natural things and, and things like that, and uh, it's been written as a, you know, for the most part, it's been written as something that is uh, a different approach to conventional medicine. And I didn't want to put something out there that um, said that conventional medicine is bad, natural medicine is good. Um, you have to, you know, leave one behind and um, and adopt the other. What I wanted to make sure people understood is that concepts I have in my book are the most important foundation, whether you. Follow natural medicine, whether you follow conventional medicine or whether you have some sort of um, combination of the two. These are the, I, these are what I believe are the most important concepts people have to know about their health. And so, you know, that simplicity is what drove me. That was my vision: is is um, making it simple for people because you know healthcare today is is extremely complex. It's frustrating. I was say
1: anything that's simple. I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So so that that vision stayed clear, uh, even though, you know, I changed the books, I ran into roadblocks and things like that. Um, being able to stay clear on my vision is what allowed me to overcome all of those obstacles.
1: Hmm, that's great advice. And what was your, what was your, so now we have a sense of your vision, but what was your why behind that? What was the goal you were driving towards?
0: Um,
1: well, again,
0: you know, it fits in with my vision. I wanted to make it simple for people because, you know, I spent a lot of years <laughs> You know, in my upbringing, you know, most of my, you know, well into my adult life, I, I was the only thing I knew about was conventional medicine, and um, it's really complicated. Conventional medicine is, and, and our healthcare system today is extremely complicated. And so, were you, know, you
1: when I, were you thinking I'm going to write this book and other people that are in a similar? you know, maybe not with arthritis or something, but that are in a similarly difficult place with their health will read this and take good advice away and that will be the whole relationship? Or were you trying to build a business or get clients or, I don't know, become a speaker? Like did you have some other why or some other goal for why a book? Yeah.
0: Well, my main why was to get the information out there to as many people as possible. Um, because whether somebody is going through a a serious disease like I was or whether somebody is already very healthy and is just confused about what comprises a healthy diet or is confused about what they should do as far as exercise, because that whole world is complex, too. Um, You know, the the book is for healthy people as well as unhealthy people who are dealing with complexity or confused who don't know what to do. Um, So it's not for just sick people, it's for people who are overwhelmed by complexity, you know, to make things simple for them. And so that was so my why. Like was you were really why.
1: Focused on, it sounds like you were really focused on on helping people and not necessarily yeah. making a full-time career as an author, or was that also one of your goals?
0: Um, yeah, that, that's also a goal. I mean, you know, I'm in private practice as a, uh, you know, I like to call myself a holistic health doctor rather than as a chiropractor Mm -hmm. just because people don't really understand. Uh, You know, when you say chiropractor, a lot of people have an image in their mind and that image doesn't really uh, depict me accurately. So I I call myself a holistic health doctor. And there are a lot of chiropractors who aren't holistic chiropractors. But, uh, you know, I am in private practice as a holistic health doctor and I intend to remain in private practice and I'm part-time. But I definitely want to have a career as an author and a speaker and I had already done professional speaking within my profession, um, within my own profession, even before I started writing. Uh, you know, I, I'm, so I'm already a speaker. But that's a really important thing for any author to be able to do is speak. I mean, author, uh, writing and speaking go together hand in hand. Yeah, for sure.
1: So so you have this idea. It sounds like picking the topic was pretty easy for you. You had a pretty compelling story and experience. You knew what you wanted to write. Um, Had some obstacles come up in writing them, but it sounds like you were very clear about your vision, and that was part of how you got to having a finished manuscript. So um, let's just talk a little bit about, since your goal was really to get to get this information out to as many people as you could help, or I'm sure that's still your goal. Let's talk about um, on the promotional side, how do you um, – I know you have a really unique publishing story, so I want to make sure we talk about that. But let's start with an agent. Did you plan on – did you have an agent? Did you plan on uh writing a proposal and going the traditional publishing route? Where were you at the beginning of your publishing part of your journey?
0: Um, yeah, I – uh, you know, I didn't know anything about the publishing world, and I ended up learning an awful lot about the publishing world. But you know, early on, I just you know thought of myself going the traditional route, getting published by a traditional publisher, um, and being in bookstores and things like that. Um, and and so, yeah, I learned an awful lot about how to. So did you start
1: you, with? Did you start with writing the book, or did you start with writing a proposal? Well, how did you handle well, that?
0: I had started um, by writing the book, and I didn't have a finished book when I started trying to find um, a publisher and an agent. Uh, but I did have enough of the book and a clear enough vision about the book that I was able to put together, uh, you know, pretty good proposal. And the you know one of the things I found is that every publishing company and every agent has a different format for what they want the proposal to look like. Uh, It's a good thing to know
1: going in. A lot of people are surprised by that. So I think that's, you know, good forewarning for people that especially that are trying to go the traditional route, which a lot of people, you know, a lot of people have that vision. I really want a traditional publisher and realizing just how much work getting the proposals done. No one's even looking at your book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, it was a kind of a shock to me. I thought, okay, I'll put a proposal together and send out, you know, 200 copies of that same proposal. And uh, one, one thing that I've learned is that there are a lot of authors that do that. And when a publishing company gets a proposal or an agent gets a proposal that's not um, according to the format that they want, they'll just dispose of it. They won't even look at it. So um, I spend an awful lot of time, you know, crafting queries and proposals um, you know, custom tailoring them to the requirements of every single, you know, publishing company and agent that I queried and send proposals to. And, and I you did had
1: a, up, is this you had an agent or was this before you had an agent? Uh well just in the process
0: of and I ended up getting an agent, but just in the process of getting there. Um you know, I, I did an awful lot of work and I end up, you know, man I am um I ended up managing to uh, land an agent, kind of a small-time agent, but she uh, she was small, but she was successful. And um, so I did get an agent, and she spent a little bit of time, and, and I didn't feel like she spent nearly as much time as I wanted her to spend on me. She, she seemed to give up pretty quickly after just a few months. And were
1: you locked um, into six months with her, a year, or something like that?
0: No, we didn't. No, the only um, stipulation... There was that um, I had to give her th- either one of us could terminate the agreement. We had to give each other 30 days um, notice. But if she had, even even after we terminated, like if, if I had terminated the agreement with her, if um, a potential contract came out of a publishing house that she had already sent one of my proposals to, then she would still get that, that contract. I okay. think. Um, you no, know, I was fine with that. That's
1: not a yeah. Um, that's not a terrible deal. I know a lot of people that yeah. work really, really hard to get an agent or even a publisher, yeah. and yeah. then that relationship doesn't go the way that they had hoped, and they end up in a situation where they're locked in for some amount of time. Some people even permanently. In the case of publishers, sometimes it can be hard to even buy your rights back, and so they're stuck, you know, not not being able to really have access to their own work. So. That, you know, I know that that agent didn't go, that relationship didn't go maybe as well as you would have hoped, but at least you weren't locked in. And I think that's a good lesson. You know, people that are hoping, oh, an agent, I'm just the writer. I'm going to have the agent do the heavy listing, and I'm going to pay them 15% or whatever it is. I'm going to pay them for it, but they're going to get the contract. You know, being really careful about getting into long-term contracts, I think is a yeah. is a great lesson. Yeah, and in the end, your your publishing story probably turned out a little different than you originally imagined. Why don't you tell people about yeah. that, that?
0: Yeah. Well, um, this agent did manage to get some publishing companies uh, interested in the work, um, even including a couple of major ones, um, Touchstone Fireside, which is an imprint of Simon & Schuster, uh, as well as uh, Llewellyn Publishing. Anybody that is interested mm. in you know, metaphysical publishing. type books.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Both of them, and, some, some, and there were uh, four other smaller publishers publishers that were interested as well. So six publishers expressed interest, um, but none of them bought the book. And it, I got to a point where I, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. Um, I knew I was not going to give up. But uh, right about that time, a couple of friends of mine who are fellow authors, uh, both published authors, in fact one who has, is more than a million-selling author in The Romance, Um, genre Uh, they had become very frustrated with the traditional publishing world themselves they had been published in the traditional publishing world and they wanted to get away from that and they decided to start their own publishing company and they invited a handful of other authors to join in and uh, six of us together I guess it was eight at the beginning uh, got together and decided to start our own publishing company and we spent several months like wringing our hands and gnashing our teeth and pulling our hair out, trying to figure out what the heck to do. And um, then things just kind of gelled. And at the end of that, uh, we came up with Bitterroot Mountain Publishing. Um, The Bitterroot Mountains are a mountain range near where we live. I live in northern Idaho. Uh, All of us live in northern Idaho or or eastern Washington. So we named it after this local mountain range. And we came up with our own publishing company. Um, And we've been together for, gosh, about three years now, I guess. Um and do you take by, on
1: other projects or do you only publish books by the owners? Like it's like no, a consortium.
0: No, we do yeah, we do take on outside projects and I um um initially it was just uh projects from you know within our own circle. We wanted to get our own books out there. Um and in and you know, we do have our own very rigorous um editorial review process to make sure we're putting out books, as we like to put it, of impeccable quality. Uh, So, you know, we're a micro-publisher, and there are a lot of micro-publishers who, um, they just generate stuff, and it's not necessarily that good, but but we're really um, putting a lot of work into making sure that we put out quality stuff, you know, credible stuff. Um, Our business model is kind of unique in that we have this editorial review process, uh, and then the the publishing process itself and the authors um, actually put up the money for that process and it's you know relatively inexpensive it's a lot less expensive than uh, if you were to go if you were to you know do self-publishing and try to hire these you know high speed editors and things like that um, but there is a bit of an outlay but the big difference between us and the major publishing companies is once the book is out there um, the author gets close to 100% of the profits from the book, whereas if you went through a traditional publishing house, they would get almost all of the money. They they would get a lot of it. The agent would take a cut, and then the author ends up getting you know, a few pennies per book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we anybody that gets published, and this was a huge surprise to me early on. Um, I just assumed that if a publishing house took on your book, they're going to do a whole lot of marketing for it, and that's just not true. Um one of the things that that they want to see in a proposal, you know, publishing houses, what they want to see in a proposal is what your marketing plan is, how you are going to sell your book if they publish it. And uh, what I kept running into is I didn't have, you know, the platform that they all want. Um, so, you know, if somebody publishes through us, through Bitterroot Mountain, you know, they need to do all of the marketing, but that's no different from what it would be like in the traditional publishing world. The big difference is, is that um, when the author sells books, they get the money for it, most of the money. And in the traditional publishing world, they would get very little of
1: that money. Right. I think what I've seen numbers-wise is between 7 and 10% usually for paperback and, if you're lucky, 15% for hardcover um, as opposed to, like you said, 10% uh, 10, 10. You know, depending on how you count up to a hundred percent if you self publish or work with a micro publisher, of course, there are expenses that come out of that, but it's much closer yeah. to a hundred percent than ten percent so yeah um and so and so yeah, so that's kind of an interesting journey. most people don't start writing a book and end up uh, in a uh, you know Publishing collective with three of their buddies So or five of their buddies or something So I think that's a really Interesting um, I think that's an interesting approach and it just Shows some of the crazy Things that come out of the Dream of writing a book that You go in with one image and you Come out with another it's not necessarily better Or worse but a lot of times some unique Things come out of having a book so What about for you What's what's the Best thing that's come out of having Your own book Um,
0: The best thing that's come out is uh, having my own book. I mean, just that in itself is just a source of of huge satisfaction. But one thing that comes with having a published book is there's a lot of credibility. Um, You know, it gives me credibility within my profession, uh, you know, within the chiropractic profession. Um, You know, a lot of chiropractors know about me because of my book. Uh, anytime I want to do any sort of speaking. Like, for example, there's going to be, probably most of your listeners have heard of TED Talks, and I'm sure you have. Um, I'm going to be doing a TED Talk in Spokane, Washington, next spring. And when I first heard about it and approached the organizer saying, hey, I'd like to talk, um, the fact that I had a book that I was a published author uh, lent a lot of credibility to what I had to say. So um, probably the, the big benefit, is credibility. I mean, if you're a published author, mm-hmm. people automatically, you know, um, look look at you with, a, you know, you're very credible. Yeah,
1: think so that's a huge.
0: One. Yeah, because there's so much work and research and knowledge that that, um, you know, if you're a published author, you really have done something. I mean, even if you're a
1: self. Yeah, I mean, author, I do think that there is work and knowledge, but I also think there are lots of people including maybe yourself before you finish the book, that have the same amount of knowledge but haven't gone to the effort of writing it down on a book with their name on it. And Mm -hmm. even if you have this knowledge, you could have written 100 magazine articles that, you know, would have equaled a 300-page book, and you still won't get that same credibility, you know, author of a blog with over 100 posts. Doesn't yeah. have the same ring to it as you know, author of a published that's book. True. That's and I'm true. not sure why, but it does seem to hold a certain weight. So, I think yeah. that's interesting. What was what was what was different for you than um, you know than what you expected? What 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 didn't go maybe the way that you thought it would?
0: Um the the amount of time that I was going to have to spend on marketing. The, you know the time, the energy, and the money that I've had to spend on marketing. Uh, e- you know, even when I learned that I was going to have to do my own marketing, that a publishing company wasn't going to, uh, I had no idea um, how much you have to put into that. Um, and at first, that really, I didn't like that idea. But the more I've learned about marketing, the more I've really enjoyed marketing, um, and I enjoy it more and more. And I realized that marketing is, is a form of service. I mean, when you're selling people your book, you're serving them because you are giving them information that is going to be able to help their lives and change their lives. Another interesting thing that I've learned is that, you know, in, any author has probably given away a lot of books because you just do that. Um, when you give away books, very few people actually read them. They say, "Oh, thanks. This is really cool." And then they stick it on a shelf somewhere. When people buy a book, they read it mm. uh, for the most part. And so um, that's that has been a big revelation for me. And that's why I am really focused on selling a lot of books, not just for me to make money, but that's when people are going to read my books. When they actually when the, there's actually an exchange of money. Um, they're going to be more more motivated to read the book. So I want to sell a lot so that a lot of people will read it. I don't want to give away a lot because very few people will read it, you know. And you do have to give some books away for promotions and things like that. And it is beneficial, you know.
1: Right. I think that's a great distinction because it's another unexpected thing. I think people think oh I'm going to write a book and people are going to read it and that seems like a pretty basic assumption but getting people to get the book in their hand to buy it or even to be given it is one step getting them to read it is another part of the process and certainly yeah. paying for it is is one of those steps yeah we've well, got a few minutes left, and I'd like to end um all my interviews with a chance for you to get up on your soapbox and take a minute for us and talk to you know think of yourself just before you started your book book journey at the beginning of your book journey and and leave us with some advice if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? What advice would you give to a young dr mark
0: the The first piece of advice is something that's that I would do the same as when I uh, started out, and that's write the best book, the highest quality, the most appealing, most entertaining book you can possibly write. You know, you have to put a good quality product out there, and that has not changed. Um, you'll you'll hear a lot of people say, "Oh, it doesn't have to be perfect," and maybe it doesn't have to be perfect. And there are some people who say, "Oh, it doesn't even have to be that great a book," because a lot of people put books out that are of mediocre quality that sell a lot, and that's true too. But you know, I feel that you want to put the best possible book that you can put out there. The, the, the thing that has changed for me is uh, if you don't have a positive attitude about selling and marketing, realize that it is a positive thing. You have to have a very positive, proactive um, attitude about marketing and realizing that When you're marketing to somebody, you're serving them, especially if you're marketing a high-quality product. That is a form of service. And approach it from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great perspective because you approach this in the way so many of the people that I work with did, which is I just want to help people. I've learned this hard, painful lesson, and I just have this feeling in my heart that it's not, this lesson can't just be for me. I know I'm not the only one. I know I can help people. And then when it gets to marketing, they freeze up and they're like, wait, I was in this to help people. Yep, you yeah. were. And this is what it looks like. Sorry, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like sitting alone in your room writing a book. This is what helping yeah. people looks like. So yeah. I think that's really powerful. So, um, I really appreciate your, your time talking with us. Your journey with Obie's wisdom has been uh, an interesting one. I know that you put out a first version, got some feedback, and, and put out a second one. And one of the things that I have learned from you and watching your journey is to be open to feedback. I've heard so many things that you, you know, have learned and heard and changed. And I think that's my lesson is, to be open to feedback, be open to changing things, but also stay true to that original vision and why you're doing it. Yes, this. So, definitely. Yes. Um, so, any final thoughts? We've got about thirty seconds left.
0: Uh, well, I'll direct people to my website obyswisdom.com. That's o b y s wisdom.com, and they can learn an awful lot about the book there. Plus, it's available on Amazon and. Right. I was gonna
1: say check it out and hopefully there's a link to Amazon. Um it really does have advice that's practical for everyone. I have read it and uh I think I've reviewed it. Somewhere there's a there's a video review of me somewhere reviewing your book because it's a great one and it's definitely a major service to the world. So thanks for being yeah. here today and thanks for everything that you um that you do, Mark. Yeah, well thank you, Angela. Oh, bye bye. Bye